Welcome to Bruins Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording at the beginning of December. Football season has concluded. Yeah, the second. It's wild. Um, well, the regular season, basketball is, uh, we're a week away from a tough Gonzaga loss, but it looks like we are back on track, which is good. Um, and other big, you know, programs have obviously lost already in November. And I think, no, none last night, so mostly in November. So it shows you that our team is going to be okay. Michigan so lost last night, no? True, but they've lost already to like Arizona, so I didn't really count them losing last night as a big loss. That's true. Uh, now they and have Memphis. three losses already. Oh yeah, Memphis lost to Georgia two and five. Tom Crean, wow. And I mean, Florida. Yeah, Florida lost to Oklahoma, which I mean, some people were actually betting on Oklahoma to, to cover that spread, but we always like a good for- Florida loss. I know you do, Zed. Anything? Oh yeah, I, I hate Florida. Seeing those Gators go down. So, no, I mean, here we are. What do you think about our basketball team after last night? Our first Pac-12 opener. Our first Pac-12 opener ever. Um, uh, Our Pac-12 opener against Colorado. We played the Buffs, who were coming in. They had one loss, but, uh, you know, they. I would say, what would you say coming into this game? I would say they're the fifth best team, fourth best team. They were behind, yeah, I would say actually the fourth. They're in I'd the same category as Washington, Washington State, like in that group, Washington State, Utah, and Colorado. Colorado's always going to be a, a well-coached, tough team. Um, I think Tad Boyle is a very good coach. I think they're a little light on talent this year. They lost um, McKinley to the draft, who was one of their their programs all-time great, so... You know, they're trying to replace him and figure that out, but they have some good pieces. You know, Evan Batty is, is very good. Um, K.J. Simpson coming off the bench, who we recruited pretty heavily, um, is talented. So they have some guys, but and, and they have the coaching, but they're, they are a little light on talent. And they they we played one very, very solid half of defense against them, which allowed us to put a 16-point, um, differential between us and them at the half. Then we started that second half in one of the worst halves I've ever seen. I think we didn't score for like five or six minutes, and we could, did not play good defense. Now, it was frustrating to watch because we knew they could do it. You know, people will say, oh, we lost Jaime for the the second half. But really, Jaime didn't play for most of the first half either. And we were still able to to play effective defense and score on them. Um, And it was was a little inexplicable. Um, But they were able to get key stops um, down the stretch. And and we did end up winning by 12, um, mostly due to Tiger Campbell's um, shooting. Um, which was their their clear game plan. I mean, they were letting him shoot, and he's become a guy who can bury that that three point shot. He gets in the lane, um, and and to the bucket, and is very crafty. And they they kind of uh, said, "Look, if we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose to Tiger Campbell." And Tiger Campbell stepped up, um, and and beat them almost single handedly on offense. I think. 
The other guy I want to mention for last night's game who had a little bit of a, a breakout was Miles Johnson. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the big big guy finally seemed to put it together a little bit. Uh, he's been much maligned by the fan base. Uh, I think unfairly so. You know, you, you're a guy coming in from another program, learning a new system. Um, there's there's clearly a learning curve. Plus, then he got thrown into the starting five much earlier than, or not even much earlier, but necessarily, but, you know, something that we weren't necessarily expecting him to do. So I think it is a little unfair to him. But last night's game was a really good sign. He played good defense. He had, I think, on the stat sheet, he only had one block, but he deflected tons and tons of balls. There was a sequence where I think he deflected two balls on inbounds in a row. Um, and and he was a force down low. He had his first double-double. He showed off a couple of nifty post moves and some some good footwork that I we have not seen from him before. So it was really nice seeing um, Miles, you know, show a lot more improvement and kind of put it together against against Colorado. Now, he was obviously bigger and stronger than a lot of those guys um, on Colorado's team, but he's also been bigger and stronger than a lot of teams, um, and he hasn't shown that. So I think that's a good sign, and it's pointing towards him getting a little bit more comfortable with the offense and the defense um, and Cronin's system and maybe a little bit better conditioning um, as well. So, you know, it's always good to start the conference off on a high note. Um, I think we... You know, it's concerning that the defense isn't there all the way. I think Cronin knows that. He mentioned as much in the press conference after the game. Um, But we're seeing signs of them putting it together. Um, And, you know, hopefully we're inching closer to getting Riley back. I know Jaime got hurt yesterday. Um, He was put in concussion protocol. He was apparently cleared, according to Cronin. Um, but just out of precaution, they kept him out since we didn't need him, which I think is a good call. Better to be safe than sorry with a head injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, what did you think? I, I know you watched the game as well from New York. Well, I, I got to say one thing that has really a little bit to do with the game, but not really. I think Bill Walton actually <laughs> did really well last night staying on track. I mean, personally, I don't mind Bill Walton doing whatever he does. I, I'm happy of hearing him. I'm one of the the pro Walton uh, uh, Bruins when it comes to listening. I love Bill. Color, color commentate. But um, besides that, like, yeah, I agree with all your points. It was, it was positive to see Miles Johnson. I think the other thing to I, see to that. Sorry, going going back to Bill, there are times when I go to the game in person and I see Bill Walton calling the game and I immediately think, should I go home and just watch this on TV? That's you should just put in, like a, uh, put in a headphone, like, dirt. <laughs> I should. That's actually a good idea. I should do that next time. Change the whole experience. It'll be like some type of <laughs> live, live. <laughs> live and have Bill call the game. Yeah. That'd be incredible. Maybe they should do that. Let's actually send that to, let's do a one sheet where they give headphones to certain fans. Oh, man. Fans. Some of those, <laughs> some of those uh, stuck up fans will lose their minds. It's the same fans who tell everybody in front of them to, to sit down constantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those are the same fans. Anyways, oh, yeah. um, I agree with you completely. The one thing I really like that seems sustainable amongst this team uh, is that Tiger's game 
you know, and it's not it's not just the scoring, right? It's his command of offense. It feels very like Chris Paul like in terms of his impact. Like uh the way he 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 does his reads. And we saw this last year and it come on, but now that he's added on the offensive part, he's just become such a threat. I think him and, you know, Miles, obviously, I mean, those are two positions that are always the most important, but they have clearly shown their value. And when they're humming, um, it, the team just goes. They're the engine more so uh, than our wings, who are just excellent in that, in that regard. I mean, Jules had another bounce back game. Uh, I like, I mean, Juzang, it, it is, I'm curious to see how he impacts in other ways because, you know, if he doesn't take that first shot, which I'm not even, I, I don't get mad when Jules, I mean, not Jules, Juzang misses, but uh, I say he should just be our gunner uh, because I know he has other things he wants to work on and, and, and display and showcase for the NBA. But I, I just think he's better in that scorer role uh, with this team because I think Tiger's ball handling is just superior and Jules is as well. And we don't, and you know, sometimes when it gets to Juzang, it kind of feels like this ball stopping kind of. I mean, Mello is the Carmelo's not the other Mello, forgive us, it's generation overlap. But Carmelo, you know, when he gets the ball, sometimes he does a little bit too much with it. Not to say that Juzang is Carmelo, but. I still see that kind of effect on the floor, and I just want him to, to shoot it. And I saw a little bit more of that this game than the other games. Uh, I saw a little bit about it. We'd even go over UNLV, which we can in a moment, because we saw you know similar flashes, the runs, uh, the transition points. Those are all positives that help our team get easy buckets. But going back to it, Tigers are most important. Uh, when his game's humming like it is this one, he just seemed very confident. There was one alley-oop that looked like a layup like a felt layup but I swear it was an alley-oop I think he really he was like dang it if he didn't have like the motion where he was falling down he really flicked that up to Miles Johnson and I think that should have been uh you know more intentionally you know called as alley-oop that was a great play uh yeah Tiger had a hell of a game he's becoming I mean solidify himself as my favorite player on the team um, and, you know, and this is a team where you can root for all these guys. So that's something, you know, to be said. Uh, but yeah. I was just going to say, going back to Johnny real quick, um, I thought last night he did a good job of actually passing the ball. I think he had like six assists. Um, and there was a noticeable difference in in him not becoming as much of a black hole on offense as, as in the past. It, it seemed like, you know, he, he was recognizing that they were collapsing on him and he was able to find um, the open man. Now, he did take some shots that I would say were ill-advised, but he also took some, some good shots for him. He just missed a bunch of shots last night, frankly. Um, open looks and good looks. He just was a little cold, but... Um, I, I do think that there's some improvement on the, the passing front on his end. And, and I think when he's realizing that, hey, this, the defense is really you know, trying to collapse on me when he drives and, and you know, is drawing doubles and um, there's an open guy, he, he made the conscious effort last night to really help um, his team out and, and get you know, some really easy layups. Um, for other guys, and so that that's good to see from him. Um, and then on the defensive front, I think he was okay. I think he had some lapses. 
Uh, his transition defense, I will say, is pretty bad. <laughs> um, he seems to just get kind of lost out there, but I think the effort is still there, and I think that's what counts, and I think with, with Cronin... Um, I'll trust to get, as long as he's trying, um, <clears throat> I think Mick will get him playing better on that front. Yeah, and that's to say, I meant to position that as that Ju Zhang had probably what I thought was his best game. Like, he's fit, filling into his role. And I think that was displayed last night, um, where he's best on offense. And he, like you said, he ended up with six assists, and that felt more natural in terms of how he's moving the ball because this team is an unselfish team. But in the past, I felt like he would try to be, you know, the main ball handler at times. And like you said, like he was sometimes a black hole or it messed up the flow when that was the case versus him doing, you know, just going through the flow of the offense and the transition uh, passes or the other passes that, you know, easily, oh, yeah, there's a cut. Okay, after the pick and roll with Miles, oh, there's the third pass, you know, the hockey assist. Like, those type of balls I saw more from him last night. And I think that that helps with, uh, you know, it, we saw that when – that that all relates back to Tiger's break, you know, or his his solid game. He filled up the stat sheet, but he also just looked impactful on the, on the floor. And I think that's how our team plays at its best. Um, when these players have these roles. Um, but besides that, I think you covered everything. I'm, I mean, I'm happy how the team bounced back against UNLV. And then uh, I hope Hawkes gets better. Obviously, we need him. Um, if we don't play Washington on Sunday, I think that's all right because Riley can rest. Hawkes, this team can just rest up and we can get everybody back from Marquette uh, next weekend. But, no, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see. And I think Cronin really sent a message after that Gonzaga loss that there are going to be so many nights where, you know, uh, I'm, uh, the shot doesn't fall, but championship teams don't win that way. Um, and it really has to get back to the defense. And, and it's just going to be a work in progress over a season to make sure we don't have these lulls. It seems like you're, uh, you're assuming we're not playing Washington. I'm saying if we don't, we'll get rested up. And if we play Washington, I mean, it's a team that hopefully, you know, they don't, they're what, they're like four and four. They're not, they're at the bottom of the conference. So it'll be a good tune-up as well before Marquette the following weekend. But I'm saying rest Hawkeyes and and let's get everybody back healthy for Marquette, which is going to be a pretty decent test. Yeah, I agree. And I think I would think that Cody's trending back for that Marquette game. Um, so that'll be a huge bonus to get him back healthy and, and get these guys rested. Now, <clears throat> I, I think Mick mentioned in the, the post-game presser last night, like, he, he doesn't like the idea of us not playing Washington simply for the fact that he doesn't want us to, to be cold going into the game against Marquette with, you know, no, no games in between. Um, it would, would almost be a two week or like 10 days of, um, no games. So, um, we'll, we'll watch to see how that situation unfolds at Washington. And, and yeah, uh, to your point, you know, tune-ups always, always not a bad thing. So, um, I will say though, being going on the road to Washington is never never easy, as bad as they may be. So, we should we should be 
cognizant of that and not not overlook them even with their struggles. So, um, yeah, I think you know the the basketball team overall were playing okay, um, and if we're playing okay without Cody Riley right now, and we are only losses to Gonzaga, um, I think we're we're looking at a at a good good season at the end of the at the end of the year. So. Um, yeah, I think um, we're in a, in a good spot going into conference play. And we have a couple big big non-con games. Like you mentioned, Marquette. We have UNC still on the schedule. UNC just knocked off Michigan. Um, so, you know, we have some, some tough tough tasks ahead. Not, not to mention in conference we have, you know, teams like uh, Arizona who are really ascending, which I think are going to be tough outs and um, even, you know, the, the other school across, across town, granted they haven't really played anyone good, but, you know, I think they're, they're looking, looking like they, they can be, be pretty good as well. And then Oregon, I, is hard to gauge. Um, you know, they've had some bad losses, but I, I do think that Dana Altman, you know, will get them playing, good basketball by the end of the year and they could be a factor so you know again good good to start off conference play with that win in our pocket um and i think we're we're trending in the right direction here agreed um basketball i think we're in a good place i think five top five is well being number five is a good spot for us in terms of where we all see them in the country but also not being seen as the top dog that has all these shots. We can leave that for, like, Purdue and Gonzaga and Duke, who just lost, by the way. So I like where our team's at, and let's get healthy and just keep going and trust in Cronin. Yeah, I mean, what what this season has shown us is nobody's safe. I feel like a lot of top teams have lost um, and struggled with some random random opponents. I mean, I know... Ohio State isn't a bad team by any means, but they they knocked off Duke um, when when I thought Duke Duke was a much, it is a much more talented team, um, and then you had Gonzaga even struggling with Tarleton State, um, you know after they lost to Duke. So you know it goes to show you know, the season's not always linear. There's ups and downs, and you know curveballs and. You know, again, uh, I'll say it again. If we, if our only loss at this point of the season without Cody Riley is to Gonzaga, a very good Gonzaga team um, at a neutral site, then I, um, I am not not too displeased. Yeah, I also I I couldn't help but watch. Now I'm gonna feel this way as we continue playing non-conference, being like I wish we got Gonzaga one more time before. Uh, March, which is the probably, I mean, probably the next time if we see them then. Um, like, I wish we got them again at when we're healthier. And I mean that not just missing Riley, but the team did, they just seemed off while they're in Vegas. And I'm going to attribute that to them being sick, given how they bounced back against UNLV in Colorado. Just, they just seemed off um, in that regard. So, anyways, bygones be bygones. Gonzaga got their win. We played better in the second half. Um, but hopefully we do get to see him again in, in the tournament. Uh, and hopefully, whether that's being in the West bracket or um, the Final Four. So I'm looking forward to that. 
whatever that is. Yeah. Um, on the women's side, it's it's been a, a couple of um, bad bad weeks, unfortunately. Um, you wanna you wanna cover that real quick? Uh, I know. I mean, there's. I guess there's. You can be in two minds about this. Like, one, there. These are just bad teams we're losing to. Kent State, and I can't even remember the the other team we lost to because I was just so annoyed with it. But um, and it was just back to back. Two games and in a row in that tournament. Two games in a row in that tournament, and I understand we're down to injuries, but there are some concerns with our offensive sets and and. Uh, you know, people bringing this up in the past, like, can Corey, even if she gets the talent, can she get this team there? And many of us, I would say most of us still believe so, but that is going to linger when you have losses like this to these small teams. Uh, South Dakota State was the other team that I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. And we lost pretty convincingly to both teams. And I get it. We, You know, I think Osborne was out versus South Dakota State. Um but I still think even with how we had eight playable players, I think I don't think we should have lost to these two teams. So that is a concern. I'm expecting the team to bounce back again, given health and depth and everything. Um, they should be fine uh, in terms of getting back into the top 25. But it, it is, you know, there, there's a flag there that you can't ignore um, with this team. Yeah, it's yeah. I think you 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 covered it well. Um, I think that's been a little bit of a, a, a criticism of Corey Close for a number of years now. Is is the offense seems to be a little bit um, free flowing with no real structure or or system often and. We get away with that often just because we have a very, very good point guard generally. And right now our point guard is hurt and we don't have that natural ball handler and ball mover on the court. Um, and it seems like it's exposing that a little bit more. Um, I, I like, I think um, Coach Close is a very good people leader and um, molder of, of players and people. Um, but it does, you know, I think it is fair to, to look at some of the X's and O's and say, hey, what is going on with this? Um, so hopefully that is something that can be remedied and fixed going forward. Um, but yeah, there is a little bit of concern there. And, and but to be fair, we are injured pretty badly um, with very key pieces being injured. So obviously that'll have an impact on, on the team. Um, but I think you are right. I don't think we should have lost either of those games um, to less talented teams. Um, I think injuries obviously are not great, but it is also up to a coach to figure out how to win against a um, a inferior an inferior opponent talent wise. Now. I understand if one team knocks us off, but I would hope that you figure it out by the next game and adjust. And unfortunately, that didn't happen two nights in a row. So it is a little concerning, but um, we'll see. We unfortunately have been knocked out of the rankings after that. And I think 
we've been get we're still getting votes, which is good. So I I don't think we'll barring we lose any other non conference games. Um, I don't think we'll move much down or up until hopefully we can beat a, a team or two that's that's ranked in the um, the Pac twelve, which is again a very good league. So. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. It's, uh, it's a little disappointing, um, since it felt like we finally had the depth and the, the, the squad to, to make a deep run. And unfortunately with injuries has, um, diminished that a little bit with, um, and now there's some, some questions around the coaching. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but speaking of, I mean, Close has been obviously a million times a better coach than the coach that we are about to speak about. Hmm. On hmm. the over there on the Wasserman side, hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm in. So Cal, let's go over that game before we go into postseason or pre bowl or pre signing day stuff. Um, Cal. Do you you didn't go to the game, right? For Cal. No, I I had a uh, family engagement, unfortunately, but I watched the whole thing on my phone. <laughs> Fair enough. And so Cal, I, I, when I watched that game, it it just seemed like obviously a competitive game. We expected to win. Cal was doing much better over the past uh, few games, and you know I think we talked about in our preview that we expected us to close out, and we ended it. You know. All right, offense, what I really like to see is that we shut them out in the second half, right, which is just always great to see. And it reminded me similar to the Colorado game. Like, once we got it going, we got it going. Uh, and and that was that was pretty cool. And DTR obviously went out, you know, and he's this is most likely going to be his last game, uh, 99% sure. Uh, and he, I, one of my favorite parts of this game was just actually that throw to Dulcich, which is something I love just me personally, the downfield throws, um, especially the ones that involve like the technical, you know, one foot in, uh, almost out of bounds throws over the shoulder, anything of that liking. So that Dulcich one was kind of the exclamation to, uh, to the receivers picking it up over the season because those are explosive plays I like. So that was probably my favorite play. Uh, Kyle Phillips, I mean, obviously did his Kyle Phillips thing. Um, Zach was a workhorse. He did his thing. I think, did he pass over a thousand in this game or was that against SC? I think it was this game. Um, so he was the bell cow um, for the most part. And, and Jay Shaw had his interception. He's been showing that he he is a pretty solid CB in our system. Uh, and then then you see someone like Bo Calvert get a sack, you know, who's been, I think, rightfully so criticized in terms of where he knows his position. And part of that, you can say, is scheme. But our team closed out with uh, a pretty strong note um, for the end of the season. And... Yeah, it, it, what, the thing is, it's put us in kind of this this place where we're at this crossroads of where do we go. Like, as a fan base, we have Chip Kelly, a big name, at a school that is a historically a top 20 school, even though our fans and the na- nation, national 
media doesn't remember this, we still are in the same group with Michigan State, Tennessee, Miami, um, and these other schools. So we are a big-name program. Uh, but how do we see that going forward? And what path do we want to go on as an 8-4, and four, possibly 9-win uh, season with you know our seniors? And we were expecting to be competing in the South or at least making it to the Pac-12 championship. That was our expectation. Granted, that wasn't everybody's, but we were out of contention as soon as we lost to Utah. Uh, and that's not always a good thing when you're out of contention on October 30th versus... Um, the, you know, n- November 27th. Uh, I'm in two minds about this in terms of where we go with Chip Kelly, but it, it seems like the decision's trending towards him staying. Um, part of me understands it. Uh, a big part of me understands it. Part of me hopes for we get, you know, a, a better DC. Obviously, it seems like Az is going to be retiring. That's the rumors out in there. In quotes. In quotes, yeah. And we got to get rid also of Pelham. Like, I mean, he is obviously one of the best dress, uh, you know, linebacking coaches out there. And he was exciting coming in, but there just hasn't been anything on that front. His defense. He's a clown, was, too. It just, yeah, it, it's been a joke. And now with SC rolling, I mean, and I say that it, there is a connection there because. Already we have uh, a, a, a decommit from SC that's going to probably be coming back our way, uh, who's a full blowhard Trojan, which is fine. It happens. Uh, but do we want to be that program? Is that what we want to be, like, in terms of recruiting, in terms of personnel staff? Like, what is the future now that it seems like Chip Kelly's staying? How do you feel about this, Ed? Because I, I, I'm still, what I'm doing is I'm trying to withhold any judgments until next week until closer to signing day until we know exactly what's happening with the staff um until we know what's happening with chip kelly's next contract if it's even if they even come to terms because chip kelly as we know is a personality who may sit there and say i don't accept this he's not a young up-and-coming coach anymore he might not agree to the terms that jarman gives him so until anything's official we can speculate here um uh, I I mean, look, I've been I've been pretty public in my disdain for Chip Kelly and the Chip Kelly coaching staff. Um, even despite that, I think I will admit he puts together a very good offense. What's been frustrating with him is his stubbornness on the defensive side, right? And I think you 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 covered that well. Um, from a a change perspective uh, this season, I think it makes sense. There were just, it's, it's been a wild, wild, wild coaching carousel. Like I don't, I can't remember in the last 10 years, so many big name jobs open, right? You have, uh, the other school, obviously, you have LSU, uh, Florida, just in, uh, now you have Oklahoma in the mix. Um, you had Notre Dame for a little bit. I know they just um, elevated their defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. Um, but but you have all these, these big teams in the mix, plus Washington and some other um, 
programs close to home. And it and it made for a difficult, um, very difficult coaching change or coaching search. Um, on top of that, you have this media narrative and, and narrative in coaching circles that Chip Kelly has is trending in the right direction, which I think if you do fire him after an eight and four or nine and four season, um, I, it does diminish and scare some coaches away. Um, whether that's that's right or wrong, we can debate that, but I think that's just the realities. You know, coaches want some ge- degree of, of job um, security, and if we're firing coaches after a nine-win season, even, you know, we can argue whether or not those nine wins are a fluffy nine or, you know, real nine, whatever, but regardless, nine wins on paper are nine wins, and I don't think coaches want to go to a spot that, you know, may fire you after that or eight wins. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that factor. And I, and I think MJ, hopefully, Martin Jarman understands that. I, I think Martin Jarman understands that. Hopefully what Martin Jarman also understands is that, hey, if we are to keep Chip Kelly, we need to, you know, try to maximize the positives of him, a.k.a. the offensive side and his offensive mind, and try to mitigate as much of um, the the bad parts of Chip Kelly, a.k.a. the defensive stubbornness and not changing the staff um, or scheme. Um, and so that's where, to your point, that question is still wide open. Um, the rumors and rumblings are that there will be stipulations in this new contract um, negotiation that he will need to change his staff. But, you know, I, like you said, there's nothing guaranteed, so it's hard to make a um, judgment. I will be okay if he ends up, um, if we do end up firing as an RO or retiring him or whatever we want to say, and we end up with a um, good, good, even good, decent to good defensive coordinator because I think we win easily 10 games with that this year um yeah we don't lose Arizona State or Fresno State the two games that wrecked us in the air. right and we meet, might beat Oregon maybe so so and and we don't lose to Utah as badly as we did I I, I will maintain that so there's 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 that's that's kind of what I am holding out for. Now, if if we don't fire as or we have an underwhelming hire, Chip does something stupid, like uh, elevates Don Pelham or something, then like I might be officially just off the football bandwagon or whatever you want to call it. It'll just be me covering in the podcast. I I, I just I can't silence. I. It might you might you might just need to get Kevin on for all football games because I I can't I don't think I can I can stomach it I truly can't and and you know me for me to say that is 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 not not an easy <laughs> or uh, yeah not an easy thing for me to say but it's truly gotten that disgusting and that frustrating. 
Um, so I don't know. Like, I know we only have a couple minutes, but who who would be your ideal DC? Um, ideal DC, I really want Will Muschamp. That's he's a defensive analyst for Georgia right now. Uh, he also has just he's such a anti chip in terms of personality. I think he'll be fun to have on the other side of ball. Um, <laughs> if you if you guys need to see why I want Will Muschamp, just YouTube. Will Muschamp videos, and you'll see some of the best videos on the sideline, some of the best videos in the locker room of the energy this team needs on that side of the ball. I don't think they'll ever, ever miss a tackle. They'll ever miss a sack if he's, you know, on that. So, anyways, the chances of us giving a Muschamp, I don't, I think, are very low. But I love the idea of him being in, in Westwood and kind of being the antithesis, antithesis of, of what Chip Kelly is. So... Yeah, I'm all for Will. I know there's other names that we've thrown out there. Jimmy Lake, I don't, nah. Um, I don't even know if Jimmy Lake is viable given his whole investigation at Washington. But I think he would solve the secondary um, easily, but uh, I wouldn't want him. Where Will, I think, would have just the pressures. He's he's such a good D-line coach, uh, or D-line and pressures, and our linebackers in, in D and D-line would be upgraded. And I think it'll fill in for, you know, that 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 gap now or that void we have now with Nansen gone. Um, so uh, I'm all for Will Muschamp. I'm going to start that uh, movement pretty soon so we can get him over from Georgia. And, I mean, right now he's, you know, about to hopefully they beat Alabama. So I'm hoping to get all the notes and then he bounces back. He can come over to Westwood. That's my vote. Yeah, I think Muschamp would be a a little bit out of the box, but a good hire overall. I mean, obviously he didn't do well as a head coach, but you know, as a coordinator, I think he would be very effective. Um, you know, people keep throwing around Dante Williams' name around, and I'm like, why? Like, we, yeah, we just destroyed his defense. <laughs> I don't want to hire the guy we put up 62 points on. No, like yeah. that would be arguably worse than Azanaro. Um Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really... Uh, I think Baylor's DC would be a good hire. I think, you know, there's there's guys out there, so we'll see. But we need to make that, that official first. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still in a wait-and-see mode. Um, and, yeah, we're... We're, I don't think we're close to cratering the program by any means, but I think we're close to losing a lot of fans if we don't do this right. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll put some faith in Martin Harjarman to get this right. I think he, he's savvy and understands the coaching market and understands that football needs to be a winning engine for the athletic department as a whole. So I'm in a wait-and-see mode, I think, similar to you to see where, where we end up here. Yeah. So summary of the podcast today is that football, I mean, men's basketball is humming, uh, back on track. Women's have some question marks, and uh, wait and see for football. We'll see what's going on. And I'm excited to see who we get for the bowl game, so we'll, we'll wait to see that. And uh, we'll recap or continue this talk next week. And for yeah, full- Vegas or Holiday Bowl, baby. At least, yeah. you know, I'm happy for the guys. They get a halfway decent bowl. Um, that's, that's, that's good. 
And hopefully against a big program like a Clemson or a Penn State. So let's hope that's the case. Yeah, I agree. All righty. Well, I think that's enough for today. Um, I feel depressed now thinking about Chip Kelly and Azanaro. So, um, yeah, we will uh, go ahead and sign off with that. Um, Follow us on Twitter and whatnot, and go Bruins. Go Bruins.